all-time favorite musical ever is Fiddler on the Roof. If you have not ever watched Fiddler on the Roof, you really need to get it and watch it. It's a great movie. It begins with a very famous song entitled Traditions. Throughout this song, the lead character, Tevye, kind of sets up the story and what it's all about. And he talks about their little village of Anatevka and how they're constantly on the razor's edge. They say, you know, each and every one of us is like a fiddler on the roof, kind of precariously placed and never knowing if they might make a misstep and just fall off. And he says that there is one thing, though, that helps them remain up on that roof, perched in safety so that they don't fall off. And that's their traditions. And the song goes on to talk about what the men do in their traditions and what the women do with their traditions and what the daughters do with their traditions and what the sons do with their traditions and some of the various things that they talk about. As I consider that, I recognize that congregations are very much like that little city of Anatevkin, very much like the characters in that story. We're like fiddlers set up on a roof. And it's also true that very much like Anatevka, what helps us remain perched on the roof are our traditions. Now that may be shocking to you. You may, you may be shocked to hear me say that because for us, we've heard so many lessons on the concept of the traditions of men versus the commandments of God that for us, the word tradition itself automatically equals error. If somebody says that something is traditional, we think, oh, that's it, it's over, it's bad. And that's just not necessarily the case. That is not what the word tradition means. The word translated tradition in our New Testament All that means is a giving over or a giving down or a handing over or a handing down. The idea of a tradition, a tradition is the the, the idea of one person handing on to another and that person handing it on to an even another person. For instance, in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 2, we see the Scripture use the word tradition there. Matthew chapter 15 And verse 2, the Pharisees were asking Jesus, and of course we see a tradition here that's a problem, but I just want you to see how the word is used. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. The concept of the traditions of the elders. The Jewish elders had come up with a system of hand washing and they had passed it on to the next generation and the next generation had passed it on and they had passed it on. It had been handed down, given over, until it came down to the time of Jesus and they called it the tradition of the elders. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. We see there the word tradition used. He says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Do you see how the word tradition is used there? 
the Spirit handed it down to the apostles. The apostles handed it down to the brethren. The brethren were supposed to hand it down to those who were to follow. That's all the word tradition means. And so, is it sometimes bad to be involved in things that are traditional? Of course it is. It is, is it always bad? Is it wrong for some things to be a tradition and to become traditional? Of course not. What I want to talk with you about today is three different kinds of traditions and how they relate to the local congregation, how they relate to keeping us up on that roof. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you and we praise your name, and we're so thankful for the opportunity we have to gather here and worship you, to honor you, and to study your word. Father, we pray that what we learn today will help us be better and stronger Christians, We pray that the worship that we offer is acceptable in your sight, that it honors you and it lifts you up and places you above us. Father, we love you, and we ask that you help us to follow your traditions, but to avoid the traditions of men, and help us not to be too bound up in our own wants and our own likes and our own things. So help us to focus on your work. Father, we pray that you help us to be strong Christians that help one another get to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The very first thing we need to recognize is that there are some traditions that we may not keep. And this is usually what we think about when we hear about the traditions of men. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, there the Scripture says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The Scripture has been given to us so that we might know how to be involved in every good work. It equips us for every good work. If there's some tradition in which we're involved, if there's something that's been handed down to us, no matter how many generations have followed it, and we go back to the Scripture and we find that there is absolutely no authorization for it, there's nothing that equips us for it, it doesn't matter how good we think it is, we must not be involved in it. Look in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. As Paul there deals with this same kind of concept, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. What is wrong with the traditions that these folks are following? It is not that they were traditions. What was wrong is the source of the traditions. They were following human traditions that had not originated from Christ, had no basis in Christ, and had no authority from Christ, but rather were from the elemental teachings of the world. In a manner of human wisdom, they seemed like they might be good. Those traditions are wrong. And we can't be involved in those traditions at all. Consider another example in Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15... The Pharisees, in verse 1, and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, in verse 3, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. 
Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. The first thing we need to ask, is there anything wrong with their tradition of washing your hands before you eat? Was it wrong for the Pharisees to wash their hands before they ate? Of course not. Of course it wasn't wrong. The problem was, is that their traditions made void the Word of God. And as they took this tradition and now bound it on everybody, Jesus was demonstrating, your, your guy's problem with all your traditions is that you're taking your traditions and setting them above the command of God. And then he illustrated it with another tradition that had clearly done that. And that's the tradition of Corbin. Corbin was the idea of being dedicated to God. God had commanded, honor your father and mother. Interestingly, even though there's not a passage in Scripture that says honoring your father and mother means taking care of them and their needs, Jesus recognized that's exactly what it meant. The command to honor your father and mother means partially, not completely and totally, but when your parents are in need, kids, take care of them. Well, the Pharisees had figured out how to get out of it. God's command was honor your father and mother. The Pharisees said, you know what I can do? I'm going to take all that I have and I am going to dedicate it to God. And now it's God's. Mom, Dad, sorry, I, I, can't, I can't do anything for you. I can't take this money that I have in the bank and, and give it to you. I can't take this, these, these, uh, these flocks that I have and sell them off for you because those are dedicated to God. You see, they had developed their tradition. Now, is there anything wrong, really, with taking things and dedicating it to God? No. But they had allowed their traditions to make void the law of God. And any time our traditions void or disregard or discard God's commandments, God's law, what God has said, then we've done something wrong. We can't have traditions like that. Well, that's one of the reasons that even though there's been nearly 2,000 years of, of hierarchical, denominational issues in the religious world that were not involved in that. I came out of that, that. My parents have done that and their parents have done that. But there's no authority for that in Scripture. And so we can't be involved in traditions that disregard, discard, and make void God's law. We can't be involved in traditions for which there is no authority scripturally. We must not keep these traditions. To do so is wrong and sinful. But there are some traditions that we must keep. Yes, there are some traditions that we... And again, I know that's tough for us because that word tradition is just so bad to us. It's just, we've heard all these lessons against tradition, but the Bible actually demonstrates that there are some traditions that we absolutely must keep. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2, Paul said to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, Now I commend you, because you remember me in everything, and maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. You maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. Now here Paul is commending the Corinthians, because they maintain traditions. See, we have to understand something. The problem is not, is something a tradition? The problem is not, has something become traditional? The problem is, from where did the tradition come? Those traditions that came from men without authority from Christ, those are wrong. We can't keep those. But Paul says, there are some traditions that have been delivered to you from me, Paul says, 
And I commend you for keeping them. In fact, look again in Thessalonians, the passage we read just moments ago in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. In fact, are you ready for this? Look in chapter 3 and verse 6. And this is Second Thessalonians. I'll get it out in a second here. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse six. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. He says here, if they're not following in accord with the tradition that came from the apostles by revelation of the Holy Spirit, then we're supposed to withdraw ourselves from that. Now, that sounds pretty strong. Here are traditions that not only must we keep, but we must withdraw ourselves from those who refuse to keep them. You see the point? Why is that? Why? Paul demonstrates why we need to follow the things that he has said and the traditions that he's handed down in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 11, he says in Galatians 1.11, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Why is it that these brethren were supposed to follow the traditions that Paul had handed down to them? Because he was giving them what came from Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 37. 1 Corinthians Chapter 14 and verse 37. The Bible there says, If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Paul says those things that were given down, given over, handed down, handed over, that came from the Holy Spirit to the apostles to us, those things we've got to keep because those are a commandment of the Lord. They must be traditions. They must become traditional. And in addition to that, not only should we keep them, but we're supposed to hand them down too. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul told Timothy. Now keep in mind, the Spirit had handed it to Paul. Paul had now handed it to Timothy. What was Timothy supposed to do? What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The Spirit handed it to Paul. Paul had handed it to Timothy. He says, now to Timothy, you hand it to others. And what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to hand it on to others. That's a tradition. That's what we're supposed to do. So when we take a look at the Scripture, when we see what God has commanded, when we see what God has authorized, that needs to be a tradition for us. We must maintain the tradition that was handed to us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 of partaking of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. We must maintain that tradition. We must maintain the tradition that was handed to us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19 and Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 and demonstrated in 1 Corinthians 14 of worshiping our God and edifying one another in song by singing. We've got to maintain that tradition. If we're not, then we're not taking what Paul has handed to, to, to us from the Holy Spirit and following that. We must maintain the tradition that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 that in order to provide for the work of the church and in order to provide for the brethren, we must do that through the weekly collection. We've got to keep those traditions. If we start keeping other traditions about that, then we've gone against what the Word of God has authorized. We must keep the tradition of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 of baptizing folks for the remission of their sins into the body of Christ. If we turn away from those traditions, we have fallen off the roof. 
Do you see the difference here? There are some traditions that we must not keep when we keep those traditions that are not authorized in Scripture. They're not, those traditions aren't helping us stay on the roof. We've already fallen. When we keep the traditions that God has authorized, that's what keeps us on the roof. But there's another. There's another kind of tradition. And this is the sticky one. This is the one where we have problems. And, you know, I'm just going to warn you, I already know that as I describe this to you, that, uh, that I have the potential of getting everybody mad at me because it doesn't matter how you look at it, you're not going to like what I say, or everybody loving me because you're going to hear it the way you want to hear it. I, but hopefully I can say this in a way that we can understand exactly what I'm trying to point out and what the Scripture demonstrates to us. You see, there are traditions that we must not keep. There are traditions that we must keep. And then, brethren, there really are traditions that we may keep but don't have to. And I'm just going to let that sink in for a moment because I know you hear that and you're thinking, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But no, brethren, there really are. There are traditions that we may keep but don't have to. And here's how that works. You see, the fact is, in this group of traditions that we must keep, God has not always spelled out exactly how we're to do those things. And so every congregation, in order to follow through in what God has commanded, what He's exemplified, what we find through the necessary inference of Scriptures, we come up with traditions that every congregation does in order to keep what we find from God. And it might be different from congregation to congregation. Let me just share one with you. And I hope you can understand this. I hope I, when I say that, I, I hope I can clearly, clearly present this to you, the, the point that I'm trying to make. Let's just take the concept of assembling. Now, it's a command of God that we assemble. We know that the churches in the New Testament assemble. We know that we're supposed to assemble. We can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4, and Paul writing to the Corinthians, he just assumed that this was going to happen with the Corinthians. It's just what churches do. He says, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus. He, he just knew that's what the church was going to do because that's what churches do. They assemble. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 23. In 1 Corinthians 14, 23, Paul says, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues. What are they doing? The whole church has come together. In verse 26, what then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a song. See, they were coming together. And we know, this is what churches do. Churches come together. Churches assemble together. And we know from Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, you knew I had to bring that verse into it. We know that that verse says that we're not supposed to neglect the assembling of ourselves together or the meeting of ourselves together, as some translations say. So we know that churches assemble, and we know that as a part of the church, we're not to neglect that assembling together. But when? How often? How many times? The Bible doesn't say. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, and I think we find indication there that the Corinthian church was meeting on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. They were apparently coming together on the first day of the week. And I know before somebody objects, they're not putting their money in their pillow because then Paul would still have to collect it when he got there. This whole command is that when he got there, he wanted the money all in one place so he didn't have to collect it. 
So clearly they were coming together and they were taking a collection. Where were they doing that? On the first day of the week. Clearly what we see from Corinth is they were meeting once on, on Sunday. But we take a look in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, and about verse 46, it says, Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Attending the temple together. That was their assembly. What were they doing? They were assembling every day. So here's the Jerusalem church assembling every day. Here's the Corinthian church. They seem to be assembling only on Sunday. When are we supposed to do it? How often? Well, I think we all recognize that at least once on Sunday we have to gather together in order to participate in the Lord's Supper. But the Jerusalem church didn't stop there. When are we going to do it? The fact is, every congregation comes up with its own tradition about how it's going to assemble. We have ours. What do we do? We assemble twice on Sunday. And sometimes we have extra assemblies throughout the year, which we call gospel meetings. We generally have a brief assembly on Wednesday night. About 10 or 15 minutes. That's our tradition. And that's okay. That's authorized by God. We're commanded to assemble. We're not allowed to neglect the assembly. But what if another church decided to do it differently? What if another church just had one assembly on Sunday night and then another assembly on Thursday night? Now, please remember, and I know I've got to go ahead and clarify this, assembling doesn't equal taking the Lord's Supper. All right? Hebrews 10.25 does not say do not neglect the taking of the Lord's Supper. It says don't neglect the assembling. We can assemble without taking the Lord's Supper. So just because we're saying to have an assembly on Tuesday night does not mean we're saying to taking the Lord's Supper on Tuesday night. All right? What if a church had an assembly on Sunday night and another one on Tuesday night? Are they wrong for that? Of course not. The Scripture just says they're supposed to assemble. So you see the point I'm making here? There are some traditions we must keep. We must keep the tradition of assembling. If we decide at some point that the church no longer has to assemble, we're violating God's law. But each congregation is going to come up with its own tradition regarding that. And they're not wrong for that. We're not wrong to meet twice on Sunday. We're just not wrong. We're allowed to keep that tradition, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But another church that wants to meet on Sunday night and on Thursday, they're allowed to. And neither one of those congregations, after they've been doing what they've been doing for generations and generations, both of them, neither one of them must think that they are bound to do that. I mean, what about us? Let's face it. We just made a change to our tradition on assembling, didn't we? We assembled Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We assembled Sunday night at 6 o'clock. What are we doing now? 10 and 5. Not a big change, but it's a change. What if we decided just to get rid of our Sunday morning assembly altogether? That kind of surprised you, didn't it? You thought I was going to say get rid of our Sunday night. Well, what if we get rid of our Sunday morning and just meet at 5 o'clock? Could we do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Could we get rid of our assemblies altogether? No. No, of course not. Do you see the point I'm trying to make there? Now, having said this, we've got to clarify something. We have to understand what a congregation is. A congregation is a group of people who have agreed to participate jointly. And so none of us gets to say, well, it wouldn't be wrong for the congregation to only meet on Sunday night, so that's the only time I'm ever going to come. 
when we've submitted ourselves to the congregation, then we're submitting to those scriptural traditions of the congregation. And we don't get to just say, I'm going to do my own thing. We don't just get to say, well, I don't like getting up early on Sunday morning, so I'll just come at 5 o'clock. And I'll, you know, we, we do that Lord's Supper thing. We do the, the makeup Lord's Supper, so I'll take it then. Or we don't get to say, well, I'll just come on Sunday morning, and, and well, I, I've had enough. I don't need to come back on Sunday night. We don't get to say that. Or we don't get to say, you know, the church doesn't have to have those that second assembly, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have a family Bible study on Sunday night. We don't get to do that. When we've submitted to a congregation and agreed to jointly participate, then that's what we've got to be doing. We've got to jointly participate with that. And we need to keep those traditions peacefully. Now, if you think there's something unscriptural about it, talk to the elders. But apart from that, we don't get to just say, well, that's just that church's tradition and I don't like that tradition, so I'm just not going to do it. We need to understand that. Now, I want you to think about this. Traditions that we may keep but don't have to. We have to keep the tradition of singing. But how many songs are we going to have in the assembly? How many prayers are we going to have in the assembly? That's, that's you know, a church is going to come up with that. I mean, let's face it. We've done it about the same way after the four years I've been here. I mean, I, every once in a while we change it up, and boy, I hear about it. But every once in a while we change it up. But most of the time it's basically the same. Four or five songs, two or three prayers, take the Lord's Supper, then we have a sermon. That's just the way we've just done it for the four years that I've been here. Sunday night, I mean, we're going to have three or four songs. We're going to have a couple of prayers. We're going to do the Lord's Supper and the contribution after the sermon. And that's okay. We're allowed to do that. But that's our tradition. Another congregation can do it differently. I've got to tell you, you know, here's one. Every congregation I have ever been in, the traditional way of doing the Wednesday night invitations, we have class first, and then we have an invitation afterwards. That's not our tradition here, is it? Our tradition here is we have our assembly and invitation first and then class. Now, you can ask the elders. For four years, I've asked to change that because that's one of the traditions that I don't really care for. Do I get to say, well, you know what, guys? I don't like that one. I'm just going to skip that little assembly and I'm going to wait in my classroom. Of course not. I don't get to do that. But that's a tradition. We could change it. You know, we could get rid of that, that little assembly time and just have class. And it wouldn't be a problem. We'd still be following God's command to assemble. We'd still be teaching. The church would still be doing everything it's supposed to do. That's your tradition. We're allowed to do that. How many gospel meetings we have a year? Having gospel meetings. That's your tradition that we have as a congregation. It's a lawful tradition. We're allowed to teach. We're allowed to assemble on other nights. We're allowed to worship God any night we want as a congregation. We don't have to have those gospel meetings. Our fall focus. It's becoming a tradition. I hope it continues on. I don't know if I can keep it up, but we're going to try you know, it's a, it, that's a tradition. It's a tradition that we may keep, but we don't have to. Because it, comes, it, it goes along with, the Lord, with what the Lord says. You know, I, and I'm going to share this one with you. Do you realize that having the words Church of Christ on our sign, calling ourselves the Franklin Church of Christ, are you aware that that's a tradition? It's a scriptural tradition. But it's not God's command that our sign says Franklin Church of Christ. It could say Franklin Church of God. It could say the way in Franklin. It could just say the Franklin Church, the Christians that meet in Franklin. It could say that. And we'd still be the exact same congregation we are today. It's okay for us to be called the Franklin Church of Christ. And I'm not about to say we should change it. That's who we are. But it's a tradition that we may keep but don't have to. We've got to understand what the Bible says about traditions. And we've got to make sure we're applying it 
accurately. It's not wrong for something to be a tradition. And it's not wrong to do something because it's traditional. And brethren, it's also, it's also not right to just say that because it's traditional we shouldn't do it that way anymore. Each congregation gets to make those decisions on how it's going to work. But we've got to make sure that everything we do is authorized from this. Because then we'll be doing what Paul committed the Corinthians for in 1 Corinthians 11 to keeping the traditions of God. Let's make sure that we're not keeping the traditions that we can't. That we are keeping the traditions that we must. And all these other traditions that we're following are just helping us do this. Keep the traditions of God. And let's make sure we're doing that appropriately based on Scripture. This is the source. This is our authority. Not just what we've always done, not just what we've always liked, but what we have from Scripture.